There's a saying that culture trumps strategy every time. But how do you build a strong, positive culture in the first place? Hi, I'm Anna, editor at Tice, and I caught up with Steve Moore, VP and Chief Security Strategist at Exabeam, at Exabeam's user conference in San Francisco in early October. Steve's been on the podcast before, and it's always inspiring to hear his thoughts on leadership, nurturing talent, and creating a culture which allows people to grow and thrive in their roles. I put it to Steve whether he agreed that culture trumps strategy, and how that might be problematic for a CISO. Here's his answer. I, I absolutely uh, agree. I think that um, culture gets missed in many organizations. Uh, I think especially on the security front, uh, we get stuck in sort of chasing alerts and, and focusing just on tech where we need to, uh, especially as leadership, focus on how are we challenging? What what am I am I creating a startup? As I often say, you need to create a startup within a larger company. Often, especially for security, um, often the stress that we take on in this sort of defender role um, is doubly bad because not only is it seemingly impossible, but we're often not appreciated. Uh, sometimes by our own leadership, and so culture is one of those things. It's a great binding agent and a great uh, insulator. And I think starting with understanding that uh, diversity of, of thought helps breed good culture, uh, a quality of uh, individual sort of voting, meaning if we're going to make a decision as a group, everyone's in it. Uh, great culture, the first thing I would start with is we need security teams that are willing to take risks and innovate. If I see an indifferent team, meaning a team that is uh, sort of learned mediocrity, uh, I apply that to the leader directly above that team. Um, let me explain a little further on that. That group um, is typically not insulated well from the pressures of a larger organization, the rest of sort of the non-security team. And so uh, we need young people especially to take risks and innovate to combat the adversary and we need people, the management above them, to insulate them from negative outcomes that happen, causing outages and dealing with political stresses and things. So how does that relate to culture? People need to feel safe. And often security people are sort of fighting both internal relevance problems and external adversaries. Um, so we get a little um, tied up at times uh, where these staff are they're paid well, but they're unhappy. They don't feel protected. They don't feel appreciated. Um, if you don't have that, it doesn't matter what your strategy is because you still need those folks to, to execute on. So you take the strategy, vision, strategy, execution. Uh, but the foundation is the culture and the sort of the continuity of the people um, within the team. Why do you think young people are better at innovating and taking risks? Well, is that true? Uh, I would like to think I said young people earlier, and that I, I still mean that, but the people that are coming in that are the most junior, you, you need to help convince them especially that they are safe. Uh, they have the most energy. They have often the most unique line of thinking. Um, they're freshest from, from university. They're not sort of beaten down by um, middle management yet. And so if you are... If you care for them well, um, 
and help mentor them and help educate them, they will be grateful forever. That's a lifelong opportunity to shape uh, sort of an unsoiled uh, a uh, young person, and so I, I do think they take more risks. You know, they haven't purchased a house they can't afford. They haven't had kids yet often, and I'm saying things that are a little controversial, but they have the most energy and the most fight in them, but they can't afford to be beaten down by a bad manager above them, which is often what I see, right? They're just sort of told, and you're the most junior. And then, so related again to security, taking risks, innovating, they're the most excited. If you get a group of young people, new interns, for example, or new hires, and say, you know, one of the statements I made very boldly after a very bad breach was, we are going to be the finest in healthcare. We're gonna have the finest security operations center in all of healthcare. And to make that statement, and they believed it, and they also believed that they're safe, that I was going to protect them in their interests. I told them, I'm going to make you expensive. I'm gonna make you valuable to yourself, to this company and to the market. We're going to be the best. And I meant it with conviction. And I was willing to shield them and, and shield them as individuals, as humans, as associates from the pain and pressures and the, the stupid requests that came in from around and above. When you do that, they light up. They'll run through walls because they know you have their back. That's culture. That is culture. And so you have this even if they have less skill, they're willing to put in the time and the effort and learn because they have a great leader. The next phase of that is then if you have some of your senior staff, you have to convert them. You need them to work less and mentor and teach more. Just as they would, you know, a young, a young father or a young mother is the most important thing they can do is sort of educate and teach and be the protector and, and, and teach these in this case, career lessons. So you need your senior level people. If they're not mentors and coaches, get new senior people because they're a force multiplier, which is begins to solve. This is the human part of the human equation of our talent problem. It's a stressful industry. Absolutely. And you just mentioned that CISOs are often unappreciated. I think they're staff even more than the CISOs, yeah. So how is this an attractive industry for these young people? I think in, in, in one of the, I, I think if you look through history, there's always young people who want to go into um, what is curious and seemingly impossible, sometimes both. Um, it, it, it's a very difficult job. Uh, there's a ton of opportunity. If you have the skills, you can make a lot of money. Um, but it's almost impossible. It's the same thing that... Um, it's trying to defend something that's almost unde undefendable in many cases. So there's that. Um, I think it could be even better, though. I think we lack great leadership. Um, if we had better leadership and we focused incentives around that, um, we wouldn't have the turnover. We would have better decision making. We could move more quickly when these problems present themselves. Um, I, I totally support uh, if somebody's interested in, in IT and specifically security. I think they should go into it um, with as long as they have passion for it. Don't come into it for the money. Uh, come into it for the challenge and you'll make money by accident. Uh, but find, I did an interview once where they said, what advice would you have for your younger self? And really the only, I've, there's a lot of things I did wrong, but one of the things I should have done is, is fire a lot of bosses that I had <laughs> earlier in my career. And so what I mean by that is just don't stick around so long. If you've got a crummy boss, 
leave, especially in InfoSec. Do your year, do your year and a half, do your two years, whatever, to, to learn some skills. Be active, and uh, if, you, if you don't have confidence in your leadership, leave. You'll have another opportunity, I guarantee it. Um, and if you don't and you need creativity, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'll, I'll, I will help with that. Um, I'll, I'll put that out there. What did you appreciate from the leaders that really inspired you? I think the best ones, um, the best leaders were, first off, ones that, that convinced me to do things I didn't want to do. Uh, specifically, there's one in particular that, that convinced me to go into leadership. And it took about a year and a half. Um, and I was like, I will be a terrible manager. It's like, I don't, I, don't, I don't have any desire for this. I'll be awful. Like, I, I'm too hard-headed. I'm, I'm too hot-headed. I, you know, I, um, lots of other things. But this person kind of moved me into that. And uh, it actually was one of the greatest things that happened to my career. Uh, because then, moving into leadership, this person sort of, co-convinced me to sort of give up all that made me valuable before, because I was a technician, to then move into management, ultimately leadership, which is what it should be instead of saying I'm a manager, it's a leader. You have to build a whole new skill set. That's a whole new challenge. That's a whole new frontier. And so that was exciting. It sort of rejuvenated uh, me. Uh, and so that's that that influence and that sort of persistence and, and having somebody pull you to the side, if you ever had this in your career, and say, you are, you are someone unique. You are special. You're going to be someone important one day. And the beauty is we can all do that. Everyone has a, a, a unique and a powerful skill set. Security leadership needs to go in and grab that, that tell that intern, that, that new hire, and say, I see something special in you. You are going to be a fantastic malware analyst one day, and I'm going to help you with that. But you may have to also convince people that what's made them successful in their first three years to make the next step, they may have to give all that up. Moving from an analyst to a team lead is an example. You have, you're now a manager or a leader of people. You have to prioritize work. It's not just how, how well you understand to use a, a decompiler or some sort of virtual execution engine or something, right? It's about grooming a team. What's happened in security, though, is we've taken the smartest people, technicians, and moved them into team leads and managers and directors and CISOs, and we're failing as a result. That's the single greatest issue I see in security. That and lack of proper automation. We're wasting time. We don't have, we're wasting time on manual, error-prone things. Those two channels, if you follow that, will fix a lot, of, a lot of the culture and a lot of the technology and a lot of the time wasted in information security. So should we not take them from the technical pool? Uh, I think we should. Uh, some of the time. I think if we take them from the technical pool, there has to be someone above them, executive leadership, a mentor that says, look, and I'll give you one uh, key indicator. If there's someone sort of listening or, or you're speaking to, and let's say they're the CIO or a board member or the CEO, ask them to ask their CISO, does your CISO still have console access to your technical tools? And if they say yes, and you're not at a 50-person company, fire them. Because this person is still holding on to the technology, the thing that, that brought them up. They need to completely divorce themselves of that and trust their staff. 
and they, there's too much leadership work and governance work and risk work and ambassadorship and board level stuff to be done to be playing around in technology if you're a CISO. That's a, that's a very bold statement, but it's one I will tell to anyone, um, and I firmly believe it. So as people progress, um, we need to focus more again, just like any other profession, on the leadership, right? On, on the, the, the care and feeding and development of people, not on technology. So you asked, should we pull them from outside of security? Absolutely that as well. Um, it could be from other technical areas. It could be from business areas. Um, one of the best hires I ever had was um, a, a brilliant woman um, that, that came from Booz Allen Hamilton, um, uh, Andrea. And she was an, sort of an expert in communications. She was the, the, out of 62 or three people that I had, I started with six, and the seventh person I believe that I brought on was her. What role did she have? She, she was um, effectively in charge of continuity of language, of um, sort of stylizing the messaging, making it easy to understand. Uh, ultimately, um, both in, in written, uh, so our, even the technical people had sort of standards of communication and standards of, of how are we going to represent our work. Um, helping create um, artifacts that were used to present to executives, so who we are, what we do, and where we're going, and ultimately being effectively a chief of staff to me, which the other barrier was there, I'll share if I have the, mm -hmm. the, the podium to do so. Again, we had an earlier discussion. Many people, because she was sort of the communications person, didn't have the, the hardcore security background, would assume that she was sort of the note taker. Even I would ask sometimes for her to help like, you know, corral everyone at first. But there was times later on where I had to convince, especially the men, um, other executives, that if she was in the room and she made a decision, it was as if I had made it, do not follow up with me afterwards. If she makes a decision, it's as if I say it, which is a transference of power and um, trust into that person. Forget about title. I don't see that done enough. So what did you do? You brought all the men together and you gave them a talk? Y yes. <laughs> uh, as weird and as how that was is. And how did they react at first? Um, they were a little shocked, I think. Um, and were I they even aware that they were doing that? No, I think the, the, the thing is, in any forget gender for a moment, I think that if somebody with a title is in a room, they expect that person to sort of make the decision. Or if they're not in the room, they say, well, we're going to, as a group, make a decision and then we're still going to follow up and send an email or have another meeting with the director, VP, whoever. And I didn't have that luxury. We were working in this example, post-breach, trying to build a program. We had to move quickly. And I had to, to delegate and trust um, my team, uh, said plainly. And I did. But in that example, because of the history, I think, um, and I share this as a learning, you know, uh, uh, Hopefully this inspires others to do the same, to say, look, there's somebody who didn't come from security, but is, is in charge of, kind of moved into this for doing great work into the sort of chief of staff type role. And the world needs to know that you don't need to check with Steve. So gender plays a role because it plays a role. Uh, I wish it didn't. But to say, you know, there's this young lady and she effectively is Steve, is Steve's title. It's not Steve. 
but if, if she makes a call in a meeting on a topic, then it's as if, so we don't need to double check. And so I would have to go into meetings and stay there for 10 minutes and explain it. What are we gonna do today? And they would say, I said, okay, Andy at the end of this is going, and Andrea, Andy went by Andy, is gonna make a decision. She's in charge. I don't wanna hear about it. I don't want somebody following up with me. So doing that a couple times, people then would, would run with it. So it's gotta come from the top. No question. It can't be something, but, but that's also the kind of thing we need to do. You know, there's a, um, there's a salary survey that's, that's coming out soon. Um, and we're still predominantly um, white and male in information security. And um, we, we need to address that. And sometimes it takes uh, maybe a white male uh, to first recognize that, the problems with it, and then find those that are capable but underrepresented and, and make a difference. Um, otherwise, we will continue, I think, to suffer from uh, worst off diversity of thought, but certainly um, we're missing tactically um, people that can grow a program. I, I jokingly say, but I firmly mean it, that uh, Andy was worth bringing her on and the work she did was probably worth one promotion for me. Said very sort of, in a very sort of silly way, but it's the truth because of we could operate so much more clear, more clearly and much more quickly because of somebody with her skill set. Um, and what a thing to celebrate. And funny enough, it was questioned when I did it, and then everyone copied that model. So when people are like, why, do you, why aren't you bringing on a more technical person? Why aren't you bringing on a malware person, Steve? Um, and then when they saw the success, many of the people or groups that sort of weren't sure copied that same model. It's sort of become a standard, which is beautiful. Um, so for anyone who's in communications listening, um, I advocate for security operations centers to, to hire um, someone uh, in that realm to work on uh, what I mentioned uh, before. Uh, you will improve your operations. You will have a better team. Um, and pick, you know, there's many highly qualified people that are underrepresented that could fill that role if you're willing to be the mentor. And we'll have a, a link to that survey, uh, the salary yep. survey, in the, in the show notes. But just finally, I, I know you've got a, a, your own podcast, which is fantastic. Kudos to you. It's the new CISO. Thank you. Who is this new CISO? Yeah, so that's a question we close on uh, for, for every show. And, and the, the, the beautiful thing is that it's different for every guest. Um, tactically, there's sort of ingredients within uh, that I think, it, some of which we've even covered uh, in this conversation. Uh, I think if they need to get serious, uh, they're going to start looking into what is my diversity of thought, the diversity of humans, uh, how am I measuring uh, effort and the burnout and the stress of my teams, and how do I work on that, right? So um, how do I become more relevant? Uh, how do I work to diminish the stress of my team? How do I work on things like automation and, and sort of this fatigue and the benefits that can come from that? How do I work to explore diversity of thought? Um, it's very much not the old guard uh, that we've had. Uh, you're seeing this sort of new, more creative, uh, more resourceful CISO. Uh, but the beauty is, if you listen to the show, everyone has a very unique and different answer. But that's sort of the, the theme that I would paint at this point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Well, thanks so much. Good luck with that. <laughs> Thank you so much. And thanks, Stephen. It's always a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. Many thanks to Steve. Do check out his podcast, The New CISO. There are some excellent interviews with leading CISOs to explore. That's it from us this week. 
please do rate, comment on and subscribe to our shows. It really helps people find our podcasts amid the noise. Bye for now and join us next time for more Cyber Conversations. Thank you.